just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Monday. Yep, it's Monday, which means tomorrow are the midterm elections. We've been talking about these a long time. It was like they were never going to come, but it's imminent now. It's tomorrow. And I got to tell you, I'm ready. I am absolutely ready. I'm confident in about what I think is going to happen. Uh, and I'm so fucking tired of all the rhetoric, all the ads, all the silliness. I'm glad that's going to be over. The midterms will come tomorrow. We'll find out what's happening, where it's happening, and what we need to do next. As I've said before, I see the Democrats winning the House and the Senate. A lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine. I may be right. I may be wrong. I'm just looking at the facts, and the facts tell me, that that's what's going to happen. And I'm going to stick with it regardless. Now, if come Wednesday, I'm wrong. I'll sit right here. I'll tell you I'm wrong. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think a lot of people want you to believe that's what's going to happen for a number of reasons, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises with the turnouts we're seeing in uh, the various states. It would suggest that the Democrats are going to do well. If we've got more voters coming out than what you would normally expect during the midterms, uh, that's a positive for the Democrats. And I'll just put it to you this way. We had a record amount of turnout in 2018, a record amount. What we've got going on in this midterm election is even bigger than that. We did well in 2018. We did well in 2020. Again, turnout was a huge deal in the presidential election. And I think we're going to get a similar amount of turnout, if not better, on Tuesday, tomorrow. I mean, we'll see. It's all speculation. That's the one thing that I want to keep saying. Anything anybody tells you about the midterms as far as how it's going to turn out, and this includes me, it's all speculation. Nobody knows. We can look at the facts, but weird shit happens, you know. It really happens. But like I've told you before, I'm just ready for this. I've trained myself in my life to stop worrying about things I can't control. Now, we did the things we did leading up to the midterms. We talked about it. We screamed it from the mountaintops, and we tried to inform as many people as we can. But now with the midterms tomorrow, we really can't do much anymore. So it's better just to relax, sit back, and watch the fucking show. Because trust me, it's going to be a show. And there's going to be a lot of crazy shit going on. You know, the thing about it is, is we've talked about the polls and how the polls suggest the Republicans are surging. I think, I think later today you're going to start seeing more people saying, well, the Democrats are doing really well now, so they don't look completely stupid come Tuesday. But they want that closeness in the race because if they can have a dogfight, their ratings on Tuesday are going to be huge, meaning the media. And that's what they want. That's what they want. And on the other side of the coin, the Republicans who – end up funding a lot of these polls, so they can't be um, uh, bipartisan. They're very partisan. Part of the reason they're doing that is hopefully they're going to discourage Democrats from voting because they'll think, oh, we don't have a chance, so I'm not going to vote. That's not going to work. That's a desperation strategy. It's, it's not going to work. We're already seeing a huge turnout, so they've already failed with that. But what they will do— uh, if they know in their minds that they're going to lose by putting these polls out there, it's going to, at least in their mind, give them some ammunition to say, oh, see, the election was a fraud. The election was a fraud because all the polls said we were going to win. Well, that's not going to work either. I mean, frankly, when this is all said and done, all these people can scream all they want about uh, election fraud. But 
the stuff that came out in 2020 got nowhere. This will get nowhere. And the Republicans are going to have to shut their mouths and decide what they're going to do next because uh, what they're doing isn't working. And their alignment with Donald Trump is not going to be perceived as good anymore. He'll be, as I said, a liability as opposed to an asset. So, again, whatever I'm saying, whatever you've heard, whatever you think, it's all speculation. Nobody really knows. It's just nice that we're going to be able to get down to it and find out what really fucking happens. I'm going to be anxious to get it over with. I'm going to vote. I'm going to encourage everybody else to vote because that's going to be the key. Everybody says, well, what about the gerrymandering? We get enough people out to vote. That won't matter. Big numbers, big numbers of Democrats out voting. We will win the bulk of the elections. I'm just saying. All right. The important thing, too, to remember is regardless of what happens, don't get upset. I mean, in life, you go through things and and you hope for the best, but sometimes you get the worst. So what do you do? You don't cry about it. You don't pout about it. You don't fold up and die. We just figure out how we're going to fight the next round, whatever that takes. And here's the thing you have to understand, regardless of what happens. If the Democrats win or the Republicans win the House, we still got to keep this pace up. We still have to keep the pressure on. We still got to keep the fight going. None of this is over until we get all these people indicted and being held accountable for the the um, crimes they've committed against this country and each one of us. And then we've got to keep pushing the Democrats to do what they're supposed to do. Now, if the Republicans win, we got to go after them hard, again, with the indictments and the investigations. But we, you know, the important thing to understand is that the Democratic Party has a certain amount of strength. The Republican Party has a certain amount of strength. But when you look at the strongest force in this country, that is us. That is us. As long as we aren't lazy and complacent and apathetic, as long as we're fired up and continuing to go after these people, that will be the thing that gives us control in this country. And frankly, when they created the Constitution, that was the intent. The people should have the power. But both the Republicans and the Democrats have taken the power away from the middle class and handed it over to the rich people. Yes, I'm, I'm, I mean what I say. The Democrats have done it too. So as much as it's been a shit show and we've been fighting up to this midterm election, understand we're going to still have to fight after the fact, regardless of the turnout. It's just going to be different than what we've been doing up to this point. This is our duty. If we want our country back and we want it to be safe, we need to keep working diligently to ensure that because our politicians don't seem to be willing to do it. It's on us. It's always been on us, but they lulled us in a a sense of comfort. Oh, we'll handle it for you. I got to tell you, when somebody says, I'll handle it for you, that's when you should be wary. Don't give away that power, because once you give away that power, you will almost certainly be played by virtually anybody. All right, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Again, I'll be glad when it's over. Well, the one guy in the news quite a bit these days is, of course, Elon Musk. He bought Twitter. And, you know, I keep people telling me, saying, oh, Elon Musk is so smart. He's the smartest man in the world. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I personally think that when he went after Twitter, he had no intention of buying it. But he did some stupid things. He got caught up in it. And then when Twitter finally said, no, you're fucking buying it, he was forced to do it. So then he comes in and he decides he's going to make wholesale changes. And they're quick changes. The day he walks in, he starts making changes. And now we're realizing and he's finally realizing that, oh, I fucked up. Now, just days after laying off about half of Twitter's workforce following Elon Musk's acquisition, the company is now 
asking dozens of those employees to come back. Yeah, he fired all these people, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Hard Guy. Now he's got to beg to get them back in, uh, in a climate where it's tough to get good employees. Now, if you've just been fired by Elon Musk and you see all the things he's doing, are you going to want to come back and get in that fucking mess again? I doubt it. And I've got to think these, it's roughly 3,700 employees. He fired them via email, so he disrespected them on top of it. I got to think these folks have enough experience and enough wherewithal to get better jobs someplace else. And I hope they do. But if Elon Musk is so smart, how does he make that mistake? He lays off 3,700 people acting like the tough guy, like the narcissist he is. And then he realized, oh, I fucked up. I shouldn't have let them all go. Now, many Twitter employees expressed learning of their layoff after they were already cut off from accessing company-wide systems. But according to Platformer and Bloomberg, the company is already trying to reverse course and hire back dozens of employees that just laid off, continuing the chaos Musk has brought since taking over Twitter. Now that Musk has taken over and you've seen what you've seen, what do you think the prospects of Twitter are? I don't think they're very good. I don't think I don't think Elon Musk knows what the fuck he's doing, and I don't know if I'd want to work there anyway. If I got a severance package, which I'm not sure they did, but if I did, I'd say, you know, fuck it, I'll take my take my chances with a, a real company, uh, a company with a future. So Musk came out on Twitter, of course, and he says, sorry to at everybody on the weekend, but I want to pass along that we have the opportunity to ask folks that were left off if they will come back. I need to put together names and rationales by 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time Sunday, so that's already passed. Still employed workers read Saturday on Twitter Slack. I'll do some research, but if any of you who have been con- in contact with folks who might come back and who we think will help us, please nominate tomorrow before 4. So he's saying, please come back, but we're still going to determine if you're good enough. Yeah, I wouldn't even get in that mess. Some of those who the company is asking to return were laid off by mistake by the smartest guy in the world. While others were fired before management realized their experience was necessary to build the new features Musk wants for the platform. He wants to save money, but he wants to change. He wants to enhance Twitter. But you need people to fucking do that, dumb motherfucker. Twitter did not immediately respond uh, for a request for comment on the reported rehiring effort. Twitter is already facing a lawsuit over the job cuts in a federal lawsuit seeking class action status filed uh, Thursday. uh, Workers claim Twitter violated federal and California law by not giving enough notice before conducting the mass layoffs. Now, I heard an employer lawyer talk about this, and clearly it is a violation. Clearly it's illegal doing things the way he did. Again, smartest guy in the world. How does he not know that? I'm going to fire all these people to save money. Oops, I fired too many people. Oops, I'm going to get sued because I clearly broke a law. The firings marked the end of Musk's chaotic first week running Twitter, where the billionaire hastily tried to find ways to cut costs and create new revenue streams for the company. Now, Musk's spent $44 billion in buying Twitter, with $13 billion in debt. So right off the get-go, he's $57 billion in the hole. That resulting in the company now have to pay about $1 billion a year in interest expenses alone, despite historically not regularly making a profit. <clears throat> and of course, there's the other aspect that the smartest guy in the world did. He was so obnoxious and, and said some horrible things, some racist things that many of his advertisers have left. So not only doesn't he have people to work on Twitter, Not only is he being sued by Twitter, 
Not only is he $13 billion in debt after purchasing the $44 billion company, um, he's also having to pay a billion a year in interest expenses alone. Now they're not making any money. Elon Musk, the smartest guy in the world. Here's the interesting thing, though. We know that he got a lot of his funding through the uh, people in Saudi Arabia, the, the, the royal family in Saudi Arabia, which is troubling in its own right. I mean, everybody screams about uh, TikTok being owned by China. And I get that. But uh, is Twitter being owned, essentially, by Saudi Arabia a good thing? Remember, most of the pilots that crashed into the buildings on 9-11 were Saudi Arabia. We know that Donald Trump got $2 billion. He and his son-in-law got $2 billion from Saudi Arabia for what? We don't know. We don't know. Now, here's something interesting, and it's something I brought up right after we heard about this pay for blue checks, this verification bullshit. (laughs) Some people did exactly what I suggested would happen. Twitter suspended Kathy Griffin Sunday after she changed her handle to Elon Musk. Remember I told you that? If they've got nobody doing oversight and they're just selling blue checks for eight bucks, you could essentially claim to be anybody. Now, this was along a slew of other celebrities who edited their display names in protest of the new Twitter boss. The comedian's account was suspended after she changed her display name and photo to mimic the Twitter owner, after which she flaunted her account's new look by urging users to vote blue and check out Twitter competitor Mastodon. Never heard of it. After much spirited discussion with females in my life, I've decided that voting blue for their choice is the only right. Um, And she said there are also sexy females, by the way. Vote blue to protect women, Griffin tweeted. Now, apparently Musk heard about this. But as I've said, if dumb old white boy like me can predict what may go wrong by selling blue checks for $8 a month and not having oversight. If I can figure this out, you would think the smartest man in the world could have figured this out, but he didn't until after the fact. Musk must have gotten wind of the online protest and put a new Twitter policy in place, which put Griffin smack in the middle of the drama. Going forward, any Twitter handles engaging in impersonation without clearly specifying parody will be permanently suspended, he announced. Well, that's an interesting rule. You just put out that for $8, I can get a verified account. How are you going to check everybody if they're legit? Now, certainly, if I say I'm Tom Cruise, you could probably check this out. But if I say I'm Bill Smith, how are you going to check that out? Elon Musk, while he may be the smartest man in the world to some people, the fact of the matter is he's so narcissistic, he thinks anything that comes out of his mouth is genius and that uh, it should not be questioned. But he constantly keeps stepping on his dick here. This is not the smartest man in the world. This is a guy who went into this wholly with ego, and he's finding out. He's fucking around and finding out. He's fucking around and finding out. I'm very tired of Elon Musk at this point. He is... He's not a good guy. Never thought he was a good guy. I think you can go back in the podcast before everybody knew of all this stuff happening, and I've said that. He's just an opportunist, a narcissist, and an asshole. Clearly, he has some racist tendencies, Trump-humping tendencies, and I don't like the guy. Now, speaking of somebody I don't like... (laughs) Here's somebody most of us don't like, at least most of us that uh, are in the group here on Rational Boomers Podcast. The former chair of the Republican National Committee literally torched 
scorched Florida Governor Ron DeSantis Sunday over his incredibly arrogant, alleged, God-endorsed campaign ad as ass-backwards blasphemy that will irritate most religious people. I only saw bits and pieces of this ad, but it is so narcissistic, I can't believe it. I mean, he's basically aligning himself as somebody sent by God. Apparently, he thought that worked out well for Donald Trump, so he thought he'd get a taste of it, too. Now, it's a black and white ad, first posted by DeSantis's wife, Casey DeSantis. It is narr- narrated by a voice intended to evoke a patriarchal supreme being talking about how God created DeSantis, a fighter and a protector. I should throw in a racist, a misogynist, an anti-Semite, an insurrectionist. But that didn't show up in the ad. God created DeSantis on the eighth day of creation. Well, we know there were only seven days. So they added an eighth day and they said God created DeSantis. Now, in a general sense, of course, we know God created everybody. He fucked up with DeSantis, but, you know, but this is a little too much. This is a little too rich. DeSantis apparently merited his own 24 hours of special attention from God himself after he created things like the sun, the moon, the stars, earth, animals, and all the average run-of-the-mill human beings like you and me. Now, that is some of the most ass-backwards blasphemy I've ever heard in my life and one of the dumbest political ads you could ever make, former RNC head Michael Steele. Now, keep in mind, Michael Steele also attended a divinity school and nearly became a priest. And he said, basically, that shit is insulting. Now, what, 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 what he said was, it tells you what this white Christian nationalism is all about. That's what the ad appeals to. It doesn't appeal to church-going folks on Sunday, people who actually read the Bible. On the eighth day, really? Church much? This is what Michael Steele's saying. God needs a protector? He could ask Moses to do that part, right? Or hell, Archangel Michael. Isn't, he, isn't that his fucking job? Steele continued, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, God needs someone who's going to go out and challenge the status quo. You ever hear of a man named Jesus? (laughs) I don't need Ron DeSantis to be Christ. I just need him to be a governor. And that's the problem. These idiots mesh it all together and think they are one and the same. That's that's the problem with these... Trump LaFucks and these Republicans, they have these God complexes. They think of themselves as greater than politicians. And let's be honest, politicians aren't that fucking great. They are immensely flawed. They are horrible people, largely. And now what he wants to do is convince people that he is a special creation for, from God that's there to protect God. <laughs> Oh, God, of all the people you got to protect, I don't think God is the one. I think God has got to cover. And they wouldn't take some dumpy racist from Florida to get help. I mean, I think if you look back to the people that uh, were were talking to God, like Moses, like uh, some of the, Noah, some of these other people, I don't think they really compare to Ron DeSantis much. Ron DeSantis is, for all intents and purposes, a fucking joke. I mean, I think the people in his state even realize he's a joke. I mean, the ones that are are, are, are initiated, the uninitiated, thinks he is probably a force from God. And that's not surprising when you see the people who currently carry signs and speak out about Donald Trump as if God brought him to us. He's here to save us. It's really kind of frustrating when you look at it. You got these people who claim to be followers of God and Jesus, and they believe these people when they tell them the things that they are the chosen one, as Donald Trump once said. They believe that shit. 
Are they that gullible? Are they just willing to lie to get what they want? I think it's a little bit of both, to be perfectly honest with you. And Ron DeSantis thinks that's going to help him. Ron may be in for a rude awakening if Charlie Crist picks it up and does well tomorrow. Charlie Crist is a former governor. He was a former Republican governor. Now he's a Democrat, and he's going against Ron DeSantis. I don't know what it's going to be like down there in Florida. I mean, let's be honest. With all due respect to you folks who live in Florida, I'll say up front, I love Florida. I love going to Florida. I haven't been compelled to go down to Florida lately because of the shit you got going on down there. But some of the weirdest shit you read in the news always happens in Florida, and I don't know why that is. I mean, clearly you've got a faction of people in Florida that are either not bright or criminally minded because there's a lot of bad shit that goes down there. Again, I'm not fault everybody that lives in Florida. I have friends that live in Florida. I love those friends. But Jesus Christ, how did this idiot get voted in in the first place? How did Marco Rubio get voted in? That's another one down in Florida. I'm hoping to see... uh, some things crack open. I've watched the debate between Val Deming and Marco Rubio. And Val Deming just tore him up one side and down the other. Marco Rubio looked absolutely stupid talking to Val Deming. Now, hopefully she can be strong enough to get enough votes to beat Marco Rubio. That would be a plus in its own right to get him out of Congress. He is a danger to Congress. He's not very bright. He is the one person that shows up the least into sessions in Congress. Yeah, he's too busy to show up. But, yell, yeah, he's screaming and talking and, 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 and throwing out all this rhetoric. I mean, he's kind of like Jim Jordan. They talk a lot. They're loud, but they don't actually do anything. They don't create bills. They don't really do anything but try to promote themselves by being loud and out there. And for some people, that's enough. I mean, should the Republicans win the House? And should Kevin McCarthy be the Speaker of the House? And I don't think that's a done deal. I don't think a lot of Republicans have a lot of confidence in Kevin McCarthy. He's fucked up way too much. Even if the Republicans win, I don't know that Kevin McCarthy is going to be the Speaker of the House. But even if if it does happen and Kevin McCarthy is uh, the Speaker, he's already said that he's going to put Jim Jordan in some leadership role. Well, why would that be? Why would you put that dumb fuck in any leadership role? And that's the problem. If he starts doing things like that, if he does get to be the Speaker of the House, he won't be there long. People are just going to get tired of the bullshit, the uh, the fact that he's a sycophant to Donald Trump. Because, you know, if the Republicans win the House and Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House, you know that Donald Trump is going to control him. Donald Trump's going to tell him what to do, and he's just going to do it. There's got to come a time when Donald Trump no longer is a factor in this country. As I've, I've said this so many times before, and I'll say it again, if you want to start fixing what's going on in this country, you've got to shut Donald Trump up and shut that motherfucker down. And the only way you can do that is with an indictment. That's got to happen. Now, we're hoping that after the midterms, we will see those indictments. I don't, I don't know how you can avoid indicting this fuck. Now, they did talk about a special counsel, and as I talked about yesterday, that's a bad idea. Glenn Kirshner, who's a former prosecutor, thinks it's a bad idea as well, and he makes some good points. By putting a special counselor into this situation, that's just going to delay the process. We don't have that kind of fucking time. This country is hanging by a thread. We need to cut out the cancer as quickly as possible and fucking move on. Donald Trump is a cancer that is metastasized throughout this country. 
He is a danger to this country as long as he's speaking out loud and certain people follow this motherfucker. We've got to shut him down, shut him up, and leave him where he should be, a disgrace, a pariah in this country. And the DOJ can do that. Fonnie Willis in Georgia can do it. Alvin Bragg in New York can do it. But it needs to be done very quickly because we've had enough of this bullshit. He's been able to run roughshod for six fucking years. Enough is enough. All right. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay. On Sunday... We had a group called The Good Liars. They were on MSNBC, one of the Sunday shows, and they were showing the latest interviews they did with supporters of former President Donald Trump and QAnon followers. Now, you have to understand The Good Liars are kind of a comedic group. We've seen all these comedy people interview Trump fucks and uh, and QAnon people, and it's hilarious because they're so stupid and they don't have any idea that they're that stupid. Now, when they were talking to some of these people, one woman the group spoke with explained that Antifa was the one behind the January 6th attack on Congress. You mean to tell me they're still trying to sell that? It makes absolutely no sense. There have been 880 insurrectionists arrested, all of them trump not one Antifa, not one. And beyond that, please explain to me, if it was Antifa, why would they try to uh, attack the Capitol to get Congress to stop doing the very thing they were fighting for? Getting Joe Biden certified as President of the United States. That makes no sense. That's fucking ridiculous. Wouldn't we find out that all the people who were there were Antifa? They've all said they were Trump supporters, the people who were arrested, said comedian Jason Selvig of The Good Liars. Now, I think the ones that were arrested were there because they were there. They are the ones that need to be released, and the Antifa guys need to be in there. He goes on to say, how come, though, we haven't found out that the people who identify as Antifa aren't in jail? They all seem to be Trump supporters. Yeah, that's that's pretty telling. And, of course, what they say is what they always say. Oh, it's all a cover-up. It's all a cover-up. I'm sorry. I just can't say for sure who's who, okay, and who's what side they're on. But I'm telling you, it was all set up, the woman explained. Now, If I'm an interviewer, I'm saying, okay, you think it's all set up by, on what basis? Who set it up? How did they set it up? And what was the purpose of setting it up? Was it the purpose that the Antifa wanted to disrupt the certification of the electoral vote and then blame it on on the uh, terrorist, your buddies? That makes no sense. Why would they do that? Selvig went on to explain that many of the people spinning the conspiracy are those who say, do their own research. (laughs) Well, it really matters where you do that fucking research. And it always goes like that to your own research crowd, at least that are the least informed. He said, some of the people I talked to, I asked when they said they did their own research, if that meant they were looking up newspaper articles or academic reports or something like that. The answer, of course, is no. Well, it's mostly on Instagram, True Social, where I guess you go to find the truth. <laughs> oh, wow, these people are so fucking stupid. But you get these head spin and conspiracy theories that if you think about it for a couple minutes, they don't make sense. It's If it was Antifa, why isn't there one Antifa person? There isn't even a group called Antifa. Antifa is more of an ideology. And the fact of the matter is Antifa stands for anti-fascist. So why would anti-fascist... <laughs> Attack a capital in a fascist way. That makes no sense. That makes no 
fucking sense. People like uh, Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gohmert have advocated for those in the Washington, D.C. jail to be released. It's unclear if those QAnon folks believe that those in jail are actually Antifa or if they believe Greene and Gohmert uh, that they're Trump supporters. And then, of course, Donald Trump is in Iowa, I believe, and he says, well, when I become president, I'll make sure I release all those people in jail and give them an apology. Well, Donnie, thankfully, you'll never be president again. You'll be lucky if you're walking free and uh, clear in the next year. Now, the January 6th House Select Committee met Friday with a Secret Service agent. They finally got a chance to talk to a Secret Service agent who was in the lead car of Donald Trump's motorcade on the day of the riot. Three sources familiar with the matter told NBC News the lead car was in front of Trump's presidential vehicle on the day of the attack. Now, the committee has also plans to meet in the near future with the driver of Trump's SUV on January 6, 2021. Both interviews could shed some light on the testimony, you remember, of Cassidy Hutchinson. You know, of course, she told us what she told us. She said that Donald Trump lunged at the driver, tried to grab the wheel because he wanted to go to the Capitol. And the Secret Service said, yeah, now we're not going to do that. And, of course, when Cassidy Hutchinson said that, everybody said, oh, she's just lying. She's a disgruntled employee. Fuck that. A former top aide to then White House Chief of Staff was Cassidy Hutchinson. Um, She talked to the committee during a televised public hearing this past summer. Of course, you remember her. Uh, Anthony Guglielmi, the top spokesman for the Secret Service, testified earlier this week before the January 6th committee. Um, And they talked about the testimony that Hutchinson shared under oath. Now, see, this is the interesting thing. They can try to hide their text. They can do all this bullshit. But when these Secret Service people are under oath, the talk is going to be a little different than if they're just talking to the press. Cassidy Hutchinson testified under oath that after his rally on January 6th, Trump tried to grab the steering wheel, as I stated. Now, Hutchinson also testified that Tony Ornato, Ornato, the White House Deputy Chief of Staff of Oper- for Operations told her about the incident. She said Bobby Engel, who led Trump's security detail, did not dispute Ornato's account. Ornato and Engel both testified before the committee prior to Hutchinson's testimony. Now, Hutchinson's testimony came under scrutiny after the sources said the two witnesses were prepared to testify under oath that that incident never happened. But guess what? They never did. They know better than to testify under oath and and uh, dispute that. They can't. It fucking happened. I mean, what possible reason would Cassidy Hutchinson have for lying about this? She didn't say she saw it. She said she was told about it by two people who clearly testified before she came in. And I'll guarantee you they said nothing about that. And if they were asked about it and they lied, well, they got a problem. Cassidy Hutchinson is just a young woman who was excited about having a job. And then when she got there and saw all that was happening, she was getting cold feet and wanted to get the fuck out of there. She wasn't in line with the thought process of the Trump LaFox and Donald Trump. And so she was nervous. I mean, what's she, 28 years old? I have a son that's 28 years old. Um as much as I love my son or any other 28-year-old, they don't know fuck all about fuck all. I know because when I was 28 years old, I thought I knew everything. And as I look back, I am ashamed by how little I knew when I was 28. So she's just trying to do the right thing, try to make up for what she was involved in. Isn't that the sad part with Cassidy Hutchinson? She gets all excited. She's got a big job. She's working in the White House. She's working for the chief of staff. This is amazing. This will look good on her resume. She's just a young woman. She's got so much potential in the future. But then, all of a sudden, she's working for this shit show of administration. And now that resume is not going to look so good. 
Now let, let's talk about Elon Musk again. <laughs> I love I love going after this clown because he's done nothing but been arrogant and narcissistic, and he deserves everything he gets. And it goes back to this eight dollar a month blue check thing. You got a couple of people pissed off: Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a New York Democrat, and actor Mark Ruffalo, who I like. They are among those who have taken to Twitter to criticize Elon Musk's potential plan to charge users $8 a month for identity verification and what it means for free speech. Now, the important part of this, uh, you have to understand, uh, since we talked last, he instituted the $8 a month charge, and then he also ended it and, and is delaying doing it. Because, again, when he did it, It wasn't hard to figure out what kind of problems might arise by him doing it without thinking about it, but he did it anyway. Those problems did arise, and now he said, yeah, we're not going to do it right now. We'll do it after the election. And that's the one thing I said before um, was it's interesting that he decided to do all this before the election, fire all these people so there's little or no oversight, and then also institute this $8 uh, a month blue check, this verification check. And, and as I explained, that means anybody could go in there and say, you know, I'm the artist formerly known as Plintz. Here's my eight bucks. Give me a blue blue check. Anybody could lie because there is no oversight. Now, on Thursday, Ocasio-Cortez accused Musk of tampering with her Twitter account after she criticized the plan, asking, why should people pay $8 just for their app to get bricked when they say something you don't like? She also shared a screenshot of her Twitter notifications under the verified tab appearing blank. This is what my app has looked like ever since my tweet upset you yesterday, she wrote. What's good? Doesn't seem very free speechy to me. Actor Mark Ruffalo retweeted AOC's post asking Musk to get off Twitter. Hand the keys over to someone who does this as an actual job and get on with running Tesla and SpaceX, he wrote. You're destroying your credibility. It's just not a good look. Hot take, not everything. And this is what Elon Musk says. Great comeback, too, by the way. Hot take, not everything AOC is 100% accurate. (laughs) Oh, that's so mature and uh, really not that effective. Now, as we are the products of Twitter, those blue checks make advertisers feel more comfortable putting their brands next to those verified accounts, he wrote Friday. Without those verified accounts, bye-bye ad buys. This thing doesn't run without advertising. Now, after criticizing the su- subscription plan Friday, Ruffalo tagged Musk in a retweet of an article on Climate Crisis Minutes, later asking him to focus on what really matters. This isn't the time for pettiness, but greatness. Use your gifts in this platform for good information, not misinformation and cruelty. I think that's good advice. You know, this this is the most fucked up thing about all of this with all these Trump fucks from Donald Trump all the way down to Elon Musk. When they took on their respective roles in power, Donald Trump as president, Elon Musk as owner of Twitter, you know, they both could have done things that were good for this country. They could have been heroes. Donald Trump could have been a hero if he'd actually done the things he promised coming into the presidency. Elon Musk could have been a hero if he truly wanted to make Twitter better and more credible. But instead, they took the other path, the path that is more expedient to their own enrichment, their own egos. They chose the wrong path, and they fucked up. And they continue to fuck up. That's what's so frustrating about that. That opportunity was there, and they chose to take the wrong route. These are supposed to be smart men. These are supposed to be accomplished men, wealthy men. You can't be wealthy and accomplished if you don't make the right choices now and again. 
So how is it Donald Trump becomes president, Elon Musk takes over Twitter, and they both fuck up? This is about narcissism. This is about ego. And this is about them fucking up to an incredible level. Now, (laughs) here's the interesting thing. I, I think I told you this story before, that the election for the midterms has yet to be counted. There's a lot of votes in, of course, but nothing's been counted. We don't know who's going to win what where. We don't know that. But there were already 100 lawsuits regarding the election by Republicans. They're already bitching about the potential election fraud in the 2022 election, and the election hasn't even fucking happened yet. That's crazy. And it doesn't just stop with the trump at large. It's Donald Trump, too. And you remember, this is an interesting strategy because he used it in 2020. And this may give us some indication of what he's thinking right now. Remember, he started putting the election in doubt prior to the election on 2020. And what happened? He lost. Does he know something we don't know? Is he getting regular information that's saying, oh, you're going to lose, so you better start setting this up? We know all the plans he had and all the strategies and all the meetings he did even before the election. And guess what? He's doing it again. Former President Donald Trump posted on social media on Tuesday to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the midterm election in the critical swing state of Pennsylvania. He said... Here we go again. Rigged election. He's already calling it a rigged election, and we don't know what the outcome is. Seems to me that maybe Donald Trump knows something we don't know. He's seeing Dr. Oz getting his ass kicked. The turnout in the voters and the fact that Dr. Oz is a shitty fucking candidate. Now, Trump's supposed evidence, an article on a right-wing news site that demonstrated no rigging. Rather, the article baselessly raised suspicion about absentee ballot data the article did not clearly explain. And this is what they do. They just spew rhetoric. And then everybody believes it, everybody in the base anyway, believes it to be truth. We know what Donald Trump's strategy is. He told this to the DOJ. He said, just say there was an election fraud. Just say it, and I'll take it from there. Because we know what Donald Trump does. He throws it out there. He talks loud and long and tries to create chaos or uncertainty. And then he thinks he can somehow manipulate it to go his way. Now, in 2020, Trump and his allies made a prolonged effort to discredit the presidential election results in advance of the election, spending months laying the groundwork for the false post-election claims that the election was stolen. Now, in the weeks leading up to Election Day 2022, some Republicans are actually doing it again and are similarly dishonest. It's all fucking rhetoric. Trump is not the only Republican trying to baselessly promote suspicion about midterms in Pennsylvania, a state that could determine which party controls the U.S. Senate. My question is, if he's saying that Pennsylvania's election is rigged, what are we to think if Dr. Oz actually wins? Then I think the Democrats would agree with him. I think they'd be right on board with that. That's why I'm wondering, do these people know something we don't know? They clearly knew that they were going to lose in 2020 because for months leading up to the election, they are already laying the basis for claiming election fraud. And we're seeing it in 2022, not by just what Donald Trump is saying or some other trump It's what I said about the polling, too. The polling is largely funded by Republicans, so you can take that for what it's worth. If you've got a poll run by Republicans and we know they do nothing but lie, it's conceivable to question the credibility of the polls paid for by Republicans. Now, as I said, they may be wanting to discourage Democrats from voting because the Republicans are just 
too much in power. But that's that's not the way it's turning out. We're getting huge turnouts in various states around the country. I think when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done on Tuesday or Wednesday morning or whatever, we're going to have record amounts of people voting. We're going to have more people voting than in 2018, which was a record year. And if that happens, that's going to do well for the Democrats. So he is getting a sense. He's probably being told, yeah, this isn't looking good. Things are going to go badly. This overturning Roe v. Wade isn't working in our favor. Who knew? (laughs) That's how stupid these people are. We're just going to take away the rights from 50% of this country. We're going to try to overturn something that's supported by 70% of this country, and that'll get us votes. Now, other prominent Republicans piled on. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas tweeted a link to an article about Chapman's comments, um, Lee Chapman, and added, why is it only Democratic blue cities that take days to count their votes. The rest of the country manages to get it done on election night. Well, part of the reason why it takes so long to count votes is because dumb fucks like the Republicans are trying to create the chaos and the mess. The whole reason it takes a long time is because of Republicans. And then they use that as evidence that there's something wrong. You see how disingenuous that is? Do you see how bullshit that really is? I don't know. I don't get it. Now, when the Democrats won the House in 2018, they did it with help from a great uptick in turnout that achieved the highest voter turnout for a midterm election in more than 100 years. But here's the thing. Still, half the voting eligible population did not take part in that election. The greatest turnout in 100 years, and still half the voting population did not take part. The good news there is there's a lot of room for more Democrats to vote than ever before. And if they weren't scared in 2020, I guarantee you they're nervous right about now. So this year, early voting has surged in some of the key states. Uh, But when they talked to Michael McDonald, the University of Florida political scientist known for tracking early voting data, he predicted turnout would fall below the 2018 level. Now, I don't know where that's from. I don't know what his background is. I don't know what he's thinking. Now, this McDonald, of course, has a new book that he's selling. That may have some bearing on it. That dissects massive achievement of the 2020 presidential election when nearly 67% of the voting eligible population cast ballots. There's more about the book and his early vote voter voting tracker. I'm not even going to tell you where to go because fucker's selling a book. I don't care if he's selling a book. I don't see where he comes up with those numbers. I mean, clearly he's probably more educated in this than than I am. But when you look at states like Georgia, who not only have a big turnout, they have a bigger turnout in the early voting than they had in 2018. So how is it we're going to fall short of 2018? I just don't believe that's true. I think it's going to be 2018. I think all the facts that we hear in terms of turnouts throughout the country thus far tell us exactly that. I mean, it just seems to be logic to me, but maybe I'm a fool. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll know on Wednesday probably what the turnout is, and we'll see if I was wrong or if I was right. But this is obviously the key to everything. Turnout. Turnout benefits Democrats. Turnout will help to kind of push down the gerrymandering and the voter suppression. They're trying to get people not to vote. And if the people go out and do whatever they can to to vote, it's going to work against the Republicans. Now, let's understand this. In 2020, and even in 2018, People came out to vote for one reason. They were afraid of the Republicans having power. 
they were afraid Donald Trump would continue to be president and destroy this country. So they turned out in mass. Now, if you're going to tell me that less people are going to turn out, that would suggest less people are nervous or afraid. And I just don't believe that's true. I mean, it's not like all that stuff happened in the past and we've just gotten used to it and forgot about it. There's a lot of things that are added to what they were scared about in the first place. Overturning Roe v. Wade. It's, it's funny to me, and I've mentioned this before, that the Republicans think the women are getting over it. They were mad at first, but they're fine with it now. Bullshit. Bullshit. They are going to find out that overturning Roe v. Wade was the biggest mistake they ever made. A mistake that will follow them for the next 10 years, minimum. It will stand by. They will They will be underneath that fucking umbrella of overturning Roe v. Wade for a long time. Because you know the Democrats will shove it down their throats every time they have an election. Not just in 2022, but in 2024, 2026, 2028. They are going to shove this down the Republicans' throat for a long time. It's a perfect thing to discredit the Republicans with. Again, it affects 50% of this population in this country. 70% of this country supported Roe v. Wade. Yes, it happened a few months ago, but people haven't gotten over it. And as I've said before, the people that should be most upset about this, most concerned about it, aren't us old white people or even us old people of color. It's the young people, the millennials, the Gen Zs. They should be worried about it. And indications suggest there's a lot of young people coming out. And this is something we don't normally see. We don't see these young people coming out in mass. But if they're smart, if they're paying attention, they realize that all these old people are fucking them up for the rest of their lives. And they're probably getting tired of it. I mean, as it is, the millennials don't like the baby boomers anyway. And you know what? I hope they don't like the baby boomers. I hope they get out there and they vote just to take the power away from baby boomers. This is something I've been talking about for a long time. This is the time when old white people should step aside. We've had our time. We fucked it up. Now let's let the young people determine their destiny, determine what they're going to live with after we're all long dead. The fact that we're imposing our will, our morality, our political leanings on young, younger people that are going to have to pay the price in the long run. I hope they recognize that. I hope they understand that. And I hope they're angry and scared about it and they come out. Because as I've said, turnout is the key here. If we get enough people turning out, the Democrats will win. But more than that, if the women, even Republican women, that are appalled by this overturning of Roe v. Wade come out, that's going to be devastating to the Republicans. But if the young people step up, if the young people step up and vote, the Republicans are done. And you know what? They're going to be done permanently. Because once the young people get control, these kind of Republicans will never have a chance. That's what you have to understand about this. Say the Republicans win the House, and we're all nervous we're going to lose democracy and all this short sort of stuff. The thing you have to understand about the Republicans at this point, even if they win the House, their time is limited. Baby boomers are dying off. Millennials and Gen Zs are going to take the reins and they're going to control this country very soon and and, uh, henceforward. And they are not going to vote like baby boomers. Now, of course, all of us that are baby boomers are going to vote the right way in favor of these young people. But there's enough of us that vote the other way. And these are the people that are going to piss off the baby are the millennials and the Gen Z's. They're recognizing this as it is. They think they we fucked up their future and maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. But the fact is, that's what they believe. 
And if they see somebody coming at them for overturning Roe v. Wade voter suppression, going after the LGBTQ, um, if they see that, they're not going to be happy about it. If anything would spur them on to vote, it would be what we've seen in the last two years out of the Republican Party. If we get a big turnout and we get the young people to vote, the Republicans don't have a chance. But even if they do win the House, their time is short because the young people will take over and those old white people will be cast aside and uh, become non-factors in American politics. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.